On this episode of the Advanced Foundations Podcast, Free Indeed is a journey to wholeness and healing as you walk in the victory of all Christ paid for at the cross. This particular section, uh, starting on page um, 18 there, let's start talking about identity. Uh, And this is amazing too, because once you discover his love, it's not that uh, you're just simply loved, but you're accepted into the beloved, the sons and daughters. Uh, I can remember thinking about the love of the Father. I think, okay, I believe God loves me, but I was thinking about I probably have to stay on the porch. You know, not really invited in, you know. But no, no, we're His love. He completely loves us, and then He says, "Not only do I love you, but you're my son or my daughter." So I mean, He's, he's giving us true identity. And it's just amazing that this position, we're, we're a friend of God. I mean, really amazing. Uh, we are beloved. It's amazing. And he doesn't see us the way we see ourselves. And that's why this is so important. We've got to start seeing ourselves the way God sees us. Position Paul uses throughout Scripture is talking about being in Christ or in Him. And every time you see that in Scripture, when it says that I am a new creation in Christ, uh, in Him I live and have my being. That is our new identity of being in Him. I'm no longer the old, I am the new. If you've been born again, you're a new creation. You're not a patched up, fixed up, repaired something. No, you're a brand new Born again, son or daughter of God. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. And we do have in the back uh, appendix C, <clears throat> which have a lot of scriptures, references to our position of being in Christ. But look at this, John 17. This is verse 20 through 23. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Because that's us. You know that God prayed for us? This is Jesus praying to the Father. He said, I'm not just praying for you guys. I'm praying for those who believe in your word uh, through their word, and that's us, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us. The world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you gave me, I've given them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, you and me, may be made perfect in one. The world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Wow, that's enough for us to just go home on. Because what his prayer is, is that the relationship that he enjoyed with Father, there was no separation. His relationship with Father is that I'm in the Father, the Father is in me. His prayer is that we would have that same relationship. Isn't that amazing? Again, it's got nothing to do based on, it's not based on our performance. And I think Jesus is going to get his prayer answered. So he said, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to come and live in you actually by the Spirit. And the love of which you love them, that you've loved, you've loved me, it's going to be in us. So this prayer is not about us all getting into unity. It's about understanding the reality that when Jesus, what he did at the cross is that he paid with his life so that we could be restored to a relationship with Father just like he had with Father. Isn't that amazing? And we can have that now. I don't have to wait to go to heaven. 
we can begin to live that. 1 John 3, 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it didn't know Him. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Galatians 4, 6 and 7, Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you're no longer a slave but a son. If a son, then an heir of God through Christ. And then the next page, Ephesians 1, 6 and 7, To the praise of the glory of His grace, but which He made us accepted in the beloved. Isn't that crazy? I mean, He did it. We didn't do it. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. So the question is, how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself based upon your past experience? Do you see yourself based upon what's going on in your life? Past failures? See, most of the time, we get our identity really from what's happened to us or what hadn't happened to us. And I guarantee you, most of that's coming from the enemy who's trying to kill us. So he wants us to have the, he wants us to see ourselves incorrectly. Now I'm not talking about being prideful and saying, "Hey, I'm cool, I'm something." No, I'm talking about seeing yourself as a child of God, as the beloved son or daughter. That's what he wants us to see. He wants us to know that it's not about what I did or didn't do. It's not about what someone did to me. I don't have my identity in what I do or what I did. Uh, my identity is I'm a child of God. The reality is, is that you can be the president of the United States, but being a child of God is a higher position than that. Now, may not get as much notoriety as he's getting today, but the reality is, is that really, I'm a child of God? You're a child of God? You're a, a son or a daughter of God? That's amazing. I mean, really, you can't. there's no higher position than that. There's no higher calling than that. And so, wow. You know, we need to really say, wow, that's amazing. How we see ourselves affects how we see God and others. And so I grew up in church where people would say, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. You ever heard that? You know, if you really think that, you'll live in sin. You know, that was someone making an excuse for the way they act. But the reality is that, no, I was a sinner and I was saved by grace, but I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm a saint. Paul addresses, go read the Bible. He addresses the saints that are at Ephesus. I bet they weren't all acting like saints. Now, if we'd been there, I guarantee you, there were some of those people who weren't acting like saints. <laughs> God's not calling us saints because you act like a saint. He's calling you a saint because of what he did at the cross. Seriously, all of us, we get so hung up on, our, on what I'm doing. I can't believe what I'm doing or what I didn't do or what somebody did to me. You know, God's going, well, how about receiving what I did for you? I forgave you of a debt you couldn't pay. I washed you clean, and I've called you into relationship to be a son or a daughter. That is who you are. And so it's so important that we see ourselves the way God sees us. I am who God says that I am. I'm not the sum total of my life and what I've done or what I didn't do or what I should have done or could have done, might have done, all that stuff. No, I am who God says I am. So 
this is so important to, to recognize that, you know, wow, we need to get this correct. These are the two foundational things for freedom, knowing the love of the Father and knowing who you are in Christ. And how do you do that? Got to know the truth. Truth to make you free, a lie will put you in bondage. You got to know the truth. The truth will make you free. A lie will keep you in bondage. So it's either one of those. We're, we've got to walk in. If we receive the truth of God's love, then it just continues to set us free. You got to study the scripture and find out those passages of scripture that say who you really are. In Christ, I live and have my being. I'm more than a conqueror through him who strengthens me. And so you, you begin to you go, wait a minute. That's not how I'm living. Well, I'm living beneath who he's paid for me to be. My true identity is a child of God, a joint heir with Jesus, and he has loved me and he calls me his beloved. And it's time for me to come in agreement with that and quit living in what I'm experiencing here or what I have experienced. Now, that's the battle. The battle is, can I live and be who God's called me to be, or I'm going to continue to live in all the negative stuff of my life and what I've experienced. So you got to know the Scripture. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. It is alive because Jesus is the Word. So if you spend time in the Word, that Word is going to bear fruit. It is going to. And um, it's going to cause that Holy Spirit is going to lead you into truth. Number three, here you've got to reject all negative perceptions about yourself. I mean, I'm talking about aggressively reject. Boy, the enemy is a liar. He's the father of lies, and he comes to try to accuse you and tell you what you did, should have done, could have done, might have done, or might have done. And the reality is, is that he is constantly trying to get you to live in that past instead of, and, and to see yourself as a failure and to see yourself in that negative sense. He, whatever way he can, he's going to try to, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And that's how he does it. Your past does not define your life. Your actions do not define your life. What you're experiencing doesn't define your life. Let God, the creator, define your life. I mean, it is so important. You know, I don't feel that way. Well, what does God say? And we, we, we're so led by feelings. We're so, well, I don't feel this way. I don't feel this way. We got to go back to the word. Listen, your feelings are going to change. Circumstances are going to change. His word does not change. God does not change. In that, He is the rock. He doesn't change. So you got to you got to go back there and say, I got to reject all this negative stuff. You need to receive and embrace the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But you've really got to. Ask God how he sees you, because he sees you differently than you see yourself, I can guarantee you. And every time I've really prayed that, and I'm not, you know, again, there's, there's condemnation, we get under condemnation, and I feel, oh my gosh, I feel condemned by the devil. The devil condemns you, makes you feel bad. God does not make you feel bad. Now, he can convict you of sin and say that's sin. But when God convicts of sin, there's always, there's always a, a, a solution, a way out. With the devil, there's no way. It's just feel bad. Eh, I just feel horrible. But with God's solution, you go, Terry, that was sin. But he never calls me a sinner. He never says, you're a bad person. I'm so disappointed with you. I just can't stand you. He doesn't do that. He goes, no, I love you. I love you. I mean, the Bible says that we're evil 
and we know how to give good gifts to our own children. We've got children. I love them. I don't want anything but the best for them. He says, you're evil, and you can even do that. With reference is, God said, I'm not evil. There is no evil in me. I don't have bad thoughts. I only have good thoughts. I'm good, and I'm love. And that's just it. So he, he never sees me as, you know, the way I see myself at times. No, you're my beloved son. I don't, he doesn't always like everything I do. I'm not saying that, but he likes me. Isn't that amazing? He, like, he loves us. He says, I'll tell you how much I love you. I went to the cross, and I took your pain and your punishment, and I died your death. How much more can I do? Mm. Amazing. Turn the page, if you will. So our identity really defines our purpose, because if I'm a child of God, then I'm a joint heir with Jesus. And all of us are basically representatives of his kingdom on earth. So we all have the same purpose, that is to represent him on earth. Now, God created us all differently. We've got different gifts, we've got different talents, we've got all kinds of stuff. And so that's part of the deal too. But, but the reality is that we really, all of us, have the same corporate purpose that's to represent him on earth. So all of us in Christ do that. All, com- all the disciples were commissioned. Look at Luke 9. He called his 12 disciples together, gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the gospel of God, uh, the kingdom of God, and to heal the sick. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority hath been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So very clearly, God is saying, look, I've I'm not only commissioned every one of my disciples, but then I've told them to go make disciples to do the same thing. So really, that's our purpose. So the bottom line is, look at the next page there. Romans 8, 15 through 17, we, I had you look it up earlier, but this is a key, key scripture New Testament restoring us to the position that really Genesis 1, 28, uh, 26 through 28, which God's original intent. So for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Spirit of adoption, when the Holy Spirit releases that into you, you know you're loved. You're chosen. And that's what God wants us to know. Not just know it intellectually, but know it experientially. There's nothing wrong with having experience with God. Uh, we're sometimes so, so afraid of that. But the reality is, no, we need to experience Him, His love, His passion. Uh, we need to understand we're children of God. It's identity. Um, I'm a child of God. Wow. You're a child of God if you've been born again. It's amazing. I mean, really, that God would call us a friend? That he would love us? See, we don't love ourselves. We have a hard time with the whole deal, but God says, no, I love you. I chose you. God doesn't make mistakes. And so, wow, I'm a child of God. And I'm an heir with Jesus, which means I'm in the family business. What's the family business? 
changing lives, representing heaven on earth. Luke 4, 18 and 19, preaching the gospel, healing the sick, casting out demons, setting people free, which is what Jesus did. That's what he came to do. So that's what he's done. Now, this next passage here, this is Luke chapter 3, it's profound to me. And the very first time I saw this and I walked through this passage, it was just, I just said, wow, this is amazing. Luke chapter 3, we have the story of Jesus coming to be water baptized. So when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven and said, you're my beloved son, and you I'm well pleased. Now, just a number of things here. Jesus was water baptized. This is not a born-again experience for Jesus. Uh, He's being obedient to be water baptized. If he was water baptized, we need to be water baptized. Water baptism doesn't save us. What it is is a full identification into Christ's death and burial and resurrection. And it doesn't save us, but at the same time, it's it's something that if we understand the power of baptism, the picture of it from the Old Testament was the Red Sea cutting off the Egyptians completely cutting off their enemy. It it is not, again, it's not something that you have to be water baptized to be saved. It's just as a result of that, you're acknowledging what's really going on. So it can be a a spiritual experience for you. Jesus was born of the Spirit. So with the Spirit coming upon him, when he comes out of the water, so the Spirit descended upon him, this was Jesus being empowered by the Spirit. He had done no ministry up until this point. The Father spoke from heaven, said, You're my beloved Son, and you, I'm well pleased. He had done nothing. He hadn't healed anybody, hadn't walked on water, hadn't multiplied the bread, nothing. He'd just been an obedient son to his earthly father. But the, the Father said, You're my beloved Son, and you, I'm well pleased. Isn't that amazing? Now, when you accept the gift of grace in your life, and you step in to follow him, do you understand he calls you the same thing? He said, you are my beloved, and in you, I'm well pleased. Quiet. Because we really don't believe that. You know, well, you don't know what I've done, and you don't know what I've been involved in. Uh, he does. He sure does. He knows everything. And he says, you are my beloved, and you, I'm well pleased. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing grace. That's what that is. Amazing grace. So anyway, what he was doing there, that the Holy Spirit's coming upon him, after this is where he then begins his earthly ministry, just like he told us, don't leave Jerusalem until you're endued with power from upon high, because you you need the power of the Spirit in your life so you can be my, so you can know my love, you can be my son, and you can do what I've called you to do, is represent me. So you need the power of the Spirit. So bottom line is, I always ask this question, did Jesus need the affirmation of the Father? And it's a a trick question because obviously as Jesus is the Son of God, he doesn't need anything. But Jesus as a man, obviously God put it in the Bible and it's not the only place because he also says the same thing at the Mount of Transfiguration. He said, you're my beloved son. So if Jesus, again, it's recorded so if, if it's in the Bible that Father spoke to, have, to, to the Son, it's probably important for us to hear that too. It's for us. He wants us to hear that. You need to hear. 
that you're his beloved. And again, it's not because you act right. It's because he chose you. And it's time for us to learn how to receive. We need to be good receivers. We need to go, yes, Lord, thank you. Help me walk in the fullness of, of who you have called me to be. And so it says after that, he was led to look at the next page, Luke 4, 1 through 3. says, Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. In those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when he had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you're the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Now, when I saw this the very first time, I, I was just flabbergasted. I went, oh my gosh. The devil challenges the word of the Father to the Son. Now again, 40 days have passed. So after he's water baptized, the Holy Spirit comes upon him. The, the Father speaks from heaven, says, you're my beloved Son, and you am well pleased. The Spirit leads him out in the wilderness for 40 days he hasn't eaten, and the devil shows up. And the first thing he does is said, he's not about doing something to perform to prove something, though that is part of it. He challenged the word of the Father. The Father said, you're my beloved son. And the first thing he says is, if you are the son, he left out the beloved part. If you are the son, why don't you do something? When I saw this, I went, oh my gosh, the devil challenged the word of the Father to the son about love and identity. And I said, wow, if he's challenging Jesus with the words of the Father, folks, he's wearing us out. Which also, when you read this and you realize that, wait a minute, there is, this is a establishing something, the beginning of his ministry. So there's a number of things here. Number one, you realize how important knowing the love of the Father and your identity is when the devil challenges it in Jesus right off. So that's why I keep saying it's the foundation for freedom. The second thing you realize is that what does Jesus say to him? That's not in here, but you can go read the account. He said, it is written. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. What he basically says, he's profound. He's saying, devil, my father spoke. I heard it. It's done. I'm not even going to respond to it. And how do you do that? It is written. So he told us, showed us in how, how it works. He showed us in just a few short verses, the battle is really over the love of the Father and your identity as a beloved child of God. The devil attacks that all the time because he's trying to get you out of a position that Jesus paid for you to be in, which is exactly what he did to Eve in the garden. said, you know, God says you can't eat of all the fruit of the garden. Said, no, God said we eat of all the fruit of the garden except for the trees in the midst of the garden. That we touch it, eat it or touch it, we'll die. And he says, oh, you surely won't die. Again, contradicting God's word. He knows that in the day you eat that, that fruit, you're going to be like God. And, they, and they're sitting there going, well, I wouldn't be like God. Folks, they already were like God. See, the moment that we start trying to do something to gain God's acceptance, you realize that we actually move away from it? because we're trying to do something to gain something that we've already got. We're accepted not because we did something, we're accepted because he chose us. 
So the more that we try to do something, we actually move away from it. So that's what the devil's trying to do. He's trying to get Jesus to do something. Jesus said, no, I got it. He spoke, got it, done. I know who I am. I know his love. Not going to shake me. And then he says, it's written. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds the mouth of God. So in short little passage there, he tells us the, <clears throat> the real battle enemy trying to steal the love of the Father from you, steal your identity, which do we have identity theft today, folks? You're trying to steal your identity so that you won't be who God says that you are. And how do we live through this is that we believe by the Word. It's through the Word. The Word, it's, the word says, I'm His beloved. Then I got to battle with that Word. And that's, that's a key for us. So I want to pray for us, but wow, this is amazing. And this is what God wants to do is to really cause us to live in the fullness of who we really are. And I want to pray over this, and then yeah, just this is just huge, huge. And then we've got one more session before we, uh, before we break tonight. But Father, we love you and bless you. We thank you that you called us sons and daughters. We didn't qualify ourselves. You qualified us. I pray, Lord, for everyone that's here, and I just pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you'd help us to believe the truth that we are your beloved, and that you love us, not based on our performance, but you love us because you love us, because you're love. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you'd help us to see you and to see ourselves the way that you want us to see us, not the way the devil wants us to see us. I pray that you'd help us to live in the fullness of being sons and daughters of God and ask you, Lord, to help us to believe the truth about your love and about our true identity in you. Oh, Lord, we love you. We bless you. We thank you that you have loved us with an everlasting love. You've given to us everything that we need. And you've called us sons and daughters. <clears throat> wow. Wow, we love you. Mm. Now, Lord, I pray that for everyone here and everyone watching and everyone listening, that you would help us to see ourselves the way you see us. I pray, Lord, the negative perceptions, the negative images, you would begin to shatter them. The, the lies that the enemy have put upon us, I pray they be broken. I pray they be exposed for what they are. And I pray the truth of your amazing love and your acceptance and our identity of being ch children of the Most High God, that, Lord, that would begin to come alive in each and every one of us. And from this day forward, we would never live less than what you called us to be in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this timely message. Pastor Terry and Susan Moore had a life-changing encounter with the Lord in August of 1982. They opened their home to a Bible study, which turned into a church now located in Carrollton, Texas. They have never been the same and hope that you encounter Christ in a real way. For more, Connect to jterrymore.org.